Amen. Come on. If you came here today just feeling a little down, you came to the right place. I hope you sense what's going on in the room right now. Because that is the presence of God and that is the expectant hearts coming. When those things meet together, that's where God does His greatest work in our lives. And, and I just believe that it's not by accident that you're here. Whether this is your home or maybe today you came for the first time or someone invited you and said you got to come. They're going to be talking about something that might really speak to you. I really believe that God's got something for us as a church. We gather as a community not because we have to but because we get to. There's something about giving God our greatest praise, giving Him praise even when we don't feel it, even if you feel discouraged, down and out, feel despair today. If you'll lift your voice, if you'll go ahead and clap, if you'll go ahead and say, God, I'm going to praise you no matter what, something in your life can begin to be set free when you do that. And that's what we're here to do today, man. Amen. Hey, I want to take just a second. If you'd help me, Lithopolis, can we just welcome our Lancaster campus live via right now video and those online watching from all over the place it's an honor to have you with us today and I just believe that the content that God has given me for our church for this season is so important the conversation that I want to begin today and for the next several weeks I believe is going to be life-altering for some I believe that God wants to bring freedom to you if you feel bound up in your mind I believe that God wants to do something in your life. So I pray that you come expecting that today. And uh, we're, we're going to begin a, a series that really is, here, here's my heart. It's not just a message series, but it's a conversation starter. In other words, I hope that what you encounter and experience when we gather is actually going to lead you to have some conversations with people. Because sometimes you need a community around you when you're going through something. So this is more than just a message series. It's a conversation starter that I pray that we continue all week long as we find health and we find freedom in God when it comes to the battle in our minds. Amen? Hey, listen, as, as we're kicking off this, this series of conversations, you know, I, I'm part of a church community. You're part of a church community that we got some pretty dark news this past week. And, and again, if you may not be as connected to this as maybe me and some of the other staff members are, but um, we got word this past week that a pastor out of California at a very large church in California, his name is Jared Wilson, uh, lost his battle with anxiety and depression by taking his life this week. Young pastor has been very outspoken about it and just his battle with it, uh, leaving behind a young wife, two young kids, and... Um, man, just having that as a backdrop is I wanted to begin a series of conversations around the battle that we all wrestle with when it comes to our mind it was very sobering. It's a reminder to all of us that um, no one is exempt from this battle. We all struggle with this one way or another, some deeper than others. But all of us are encountering this, either you or I promise someone you know is battling anxiety, depression, fear, worry, stress to, to an extreme level. And, and I thought today as we kind of kick off this series of talks, I thought it'd be appropriate for us as a church family just to join in, just to send our prayers uh, on behalf of Jared Wilson's family, his church community that are just going through that right now. So both our locations, would you bow your heads? Would you join with me in prayer? God, we come to you right now, Lord, in a way just knowing that we carry heavy burdens but also knowing, God, that uh, 
this family, the Wilson family, is carrying something really heavy right now. Um, God, we, we know that Jared is with you. Um, but, Lord, the pain of, of his loss is still felt. Uh, Lord, I know in his own family, his church family, but really all across the church community. And, God, I pray that what you want to speak to us today may save someone's life. Literally. And I pray, God, that every person under the sound of my voice today would know that there is hope. God, there is hope, and that hope is found in the name of Jesus, no other place. That there is hope, and I pray today, God, that you would use the message you've given me, that, you, God, you would anoint it to release hope, to release freedom in people's lives today. So, God, we come ready to receive something that you want to speak to us. And we pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, amen. Come on, let's give him praise one more time, church. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Welcome you to church. New series. Uh, I'm excited about the series, not, not because I find the topic um, fun, but because of the impact and the potential that I believe that it will have in our lives if you will, if you will open yourself up and embrace it. I really believe that. Let me just ask this real simple question. Any of you have a stressful week? Raise your hand if you had a stressful week. Just keep it up there. Okay. How many of you maybe have at some point had a stressful month? Raise your hand. Okay. How about in the last year? Has it been? I'm going to get you one way or another just to recognize that sometimes we, we feel intense stress. Sometimes it's just underlying, but sometimes there are seasons where we'll feel intense stress. Or worry, you know what's crazy to me, and I realize this about my own life, that we are so blessed as a people, as a culture, as a nation, aren't we? Like, I'm blessed, you're blessed. We have so much going for us that maybe a lot of people in the world don't have going for them. And yet, for some reason, I still feel like I'm stressed a lot. Do you feel that way? Like, it's kind of like, you know, the old phrase, I should be saying I'm too blessed to be stressed. But sometimes I feel like that... The more that I have a blessing, sometimes the more I have I'm worrying about. It doesn't make sense, but, it, but it's true. And, and I, I want to begin a conversation, if we can, talking about stress. I, I, I want to talk about worry. I want to talk about even deeper levels of that. I want to talk about anxiety. I want to talk about panic. If you've ever had a panic attack. I, I want to talk about depression. I, I want to talk about the battle of the mind because they say this about the age that we live in. I, I've read this a lot. They say that we are living in the age of anxiety. I kind of feel like it. We're living in an age of anxiety. More people are anxious than ever before. And sometimes it's really deep. And I'm not just talking about clinical anxiety. I'm not just talking about, I'm just talking about anxious we, we seem to be incredibly anxious. I mean, we got alarms coming, like things reminding us all the time about stuff. That's, it's like, man, what else do you got to do right now? We're church. But you, you know what I think is added to that it is the fact that um, we have access to so much information. Like, like I would say, we also live in the information age. And that's kind of obvious because the amount of information that comes at us at every waking moment, I, I mean, we are so in tune with what's going on in the world, are we not? 
We know when, the, when there's a tragedy. We know when there's a great disaster. We, we knew to the minute reports of Hurricane Dorian and what it was doing in the Bahamas. I, I, I mean, we, we information age, I kind of sometimes, and, and I know this will make me sound old, but I, I kind of think about my childhood growing up and how it was so different today. And I think about my kids growing up and, and how, like, before, I think we, I was ignorant most of the time. I was ignorant of a lot of the, the evil in the world and what was going on. It's like you lived in a bubble because you didn't know about what was going on unless you happened to watch the news at 5 o'clock or 11 o'clock or maybe you read the newspaper. But, but otherwise, we weren't bombarded with information like we are today. Now, now we have access and, and to the second we know what's going on and, and it's creating anxiety in us as a people. We're so incredibly anxious. Do you know, in fact, they say... Uh, that the generation that is the most anxious, do you know which generation it is? It's Generation Z, our youngest generation. Generation Z, not the millennials. They're number two. Generation Z is the, they, they, here's what they classify. They say they are the most anxious generation. That is about high school and even into college, college-age students. And down is Generation Z. And if you wonder why, let, let me paint a picture for you of how the youngest generation that's growing up now is experiencing life, because it's different than the way I experience life. When you think about it, um, all, all they've known since they, they've been alive is that there's a possibility there could be a shooting at their school. Like, I, I don't ever remember hearing, I know there were some and few when I was growing up, but really from Columbine, 1999 on, there's been several shootings at schools. Do you want to know, by the way, what Generation Z, when they pull them and they ask their greatest fears, you know what it is? It's that they're going to be in a place where there's going to be a shooting at school. A lot of us that are older didn't grow up feeling like that when we went to school. And, and so this is something they're dealing with. I want you to think about it. Images that they've seen since childhood and up is slow motion replay of the Twin Towers falling and thousands of people dying. That, that's, what they, that's what they've grown up seeing, right? In, in 2008, we went through an economic depression. So they've gone through seeing what it's like when millions of people lost their homes out of jobs, aren't going to make it, some experienced it. And so all of a sudden, there's so much uncertainty with life. Think about it that way. Or how about this? They have grown up with devices in their hands on social media, now living their life almost in front of everybody else, so desiring to get likes from everyone else. Just think about it. No wonder our, our youngest generation tends to be the most anxious generation. By the way, parents, can I just say this? This series might be the most critical series for you to bring your young person to. You go, oh, come on, they're young. Listen to me. You have no idea what they're wrestling in their mind that they're not telling you. You have no idea. Anxiety is running rampant. In fact, do you want to know what, what really pressed my heart? I wanted to share with you why I really wanted to do a, a series of talks on this. Because this is not an easy subject to tackle. And the reason why I felt strongly was for, for two primary reasons. Uh, the first one is this. Um, if you were here in the summer, we, we did a series called Thy Kingdom Come on Prayer. How many of you are here for that? Raise your hand if you were here for that series. Okay, a lot of you were. At the beginning of that series, one of the things that we asked was we, said, we gave it these cards. And we said, would you share with us maybe your, your greatest uh, uh, prayer need? What is on your heart that's on God's heart that we can pray and believe with you for God? 
to move in your life. And many of you, we got hundreds and hundreds of these cards that got filled out. And as we put them all together, we read through them. Guess what we found out was the number one most requested thing on those prayer cards. It was anxiety over situations. All of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, people are really dealing with this. And the other reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I personally have gone through a season over the last couple of years of my life that was so unlike any other season in my life where I dealt with thoughts and emotions and feelings that I had never felt with felt or, or experienced before. I, I went through a season where I had to go and meet with a counselor on a regular basis, almost weekly. I, I've never, I, I've felt things, I've never felt, thought things I've never thought before that just kind of scared me about, about kind of my life, my ministry, everything I've never done. And I, I've kind of gone through, I'm not saying it's like, oh, everything's great, but I'm just telling you, I personally have gone through a lot of things. And so I just, over the series, I'm going to be sharing some of my personal experience with a lot of these things that we're talking about. And my hope is not because I'm an expert or I've got it figured out. But my hope is that I want to just remove the stigma of what it is when you're struggling with anxiety, with depression, with, with, with fear, with hopelessness. I want, to, I want to take that off because that's what's killing us. Is that we won't talk about it. People are holding on and on the outside we look like we got it all together. And we're good at doing that in the church world. Come together, there's smiles, and hey, how's it going? Good, everything's good. We're going to walking through the halls at school, acting like everything's good. We're going to go into work and putting on a show because we have to, when inside we're just a mess. Let me just tell you something about these thoughts and feelings. I think the stigma is that if you think this way or you feel this way, then something's wrong with you. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. Something's wrong with you. You should get locked up. All these things that we've heard and people have said. And can I just tell you this? That you can be in the right place with the right people doing the right things and still not be in your right mind. Let me say that again. You can be in the right place with the right people doing the right things and still not be in your right mind. I, I need to say that because some of you, you're going to find freedom as I begin to kind of shed light on this and say, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. But the last thing that we want for you is to stay that way without telling somebody, without beginning to go down a journey. Now, so we're going to address these things. And let me just tell you kind of how I, I feel like I should approach it because let me just tell you this. I, I'm not a clinical counselor. I'm not trained in that. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a Bible preacher. Okay, that's all I got for you. So, and, and, and that's, that's when I think about how I want to approach such a complex subject. Do you know how complex this is? Do you know how complex your mind is? Do you know how deep you are? Do you know how confusing you are? In fact, do me a favor. Turn to somebody you're sitting next to them and just tell them, I don't get you. Just tell them, say, I don't get you. There's an opportunity for you husbands to tell your wife, I don't get you. You're so complex. You know, I used to think that women were complex. And then I went through some stuff and I realized I'm complex too. Guys, you're not as simple as you think you are. Do, do you know that, that your brain, the neurological epicenter of your, your body, do you know that your brain is the most complex organ in your body? We're still trying to figure it out. So is it a wonder that the most complex part of your body physically would also be the center of the most complex part 
of your life, your emotions and your thoughts. So I, I want to kind of approach this from a way where, listen, I think sometimes here's what I've seen in the Christian culture, the Christian subculture, and I've been around a long time, where it's like when you deal like with issues of like worry, stress, uh, anxiety, because we know it, the you know, I think sometimes I, I, I've got this sense in the Christian community that the, the answer is you need to just pray. Pray it away. That's what you need to do. You need to pray it away. And, and, and it's like, you know, almost as if, if, if you've prayed, but you still have suicidal thoughts, I guess the answer is you didn't pray hard enough. You didn't pray right. You don't have the right kind of faith. Can I just tell you that I categorically and quirkly and completely reject that idea? Because listen, I do believe in the power of prayer, but what I'm saying is you might need prayer and therapy. You might need prayer and need to talk to a counselor. You might need prayer and some medication. So I want to, I want you to hear me say that because these matters are deep. They're complex. And so listen, I'm saying there are some situations where some of you, it, it gets so deep and dark. You need to talk to a counselor. In fact, I would go so far as to say there are probably a lot of you in the church today that need to talk to a counselor, but you refuse to do it because of pride. I can, I, I'll beat this on my own. Probably not. It's okay to talk to somebody. There's some situations, can I say this? You need to talk to a doctor. The doctor, you might need some medication. There's been a long stigma that if, you, if you're depressed, but you're a Christian, you just need to pray hard, you need to believe hard, but you don't need medication. Well, guess what? Sometimes there's a chemical imbalance physically in your body that it can help. I'm not saying it's going to cure it, but it can help. So I want you to hear me. Some situations, it's okay. We, we need that. What I'm saying is I want to take a holistic approach to dealing with this. I want to use every resource that God has given to us. Do you hear what I'm saying? But now let me just say this. When it comes to matters of the mind, I want to show you where I might differ a little bit from our scientific community. Let me show you where I might differ. I understand how our scientific community and psychological community is going to approach matters of the mind. I get all of that. But where I might differ is this. I believe that there is far more influence from the spiritual world that affects our minds and affects our state than we even realize. And I believe that we cannot see this supernatural spiritual world, but you and I are facing attacks all the time from a spiritual enemy that can affect our physical ability, our mental health. It can affect all of those things. And so guess what? I don't know how much of it is physical. I don't know how much of spiritual. So we're going to take a holistic approach to it. We're going to be wise. How do we wise get with the wise? Go talk to people that are wise. But listen, I really believe, and because of that, I believe, listen, that we can win the war over our minds with God's help, his power. I really believe that. Some of you, you need to hear that because you don't feel like you'll ever be able to win. I believe that we can win the war with our mind with God's power and his help. And some of us have been trying on our own. And what I pray this series does is it begins to release your understanding of how do I deal with the spiritual attack? How do I deal with the spiritual battlefield of my mind, your minefield? How do I deal with it with God's help? That's our approach. And so in weeks to come, I, I hope you'll come back. I'm going to deal with individual subjects, matters of the mind. We're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about worry. We're going to talk about depression. 
We're, we're going to talk about a lot of those things. But today what I want to do is I, I want to begin to lay a foundation of the spiritual battle that we're all in. Because I believe there's a spiritual force, an underlying thing. And so if you've got a Bible with you or electronic device, would you just get it out, turn it on, open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. That's, I just got three verses for you. 2 Corinthians 10, that the Apostle Paul speaks into this battle that we're in. You're in a battle. In fact, I believe maybe the greatest battle that we'll face will probably be in our minds. And so I want to I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. If you're there, tell me you're there. Are you there? Come on. All right. It says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Isn't that a great passage of Scripture? Come on, I encourage you. You ought to, like, you ought to meditate on that passage this week. Because Paul wants you to know something, and maybe, maybe you don't see this or realize it, but Paul wants you to realize that you are in a war. We're in a war. If you live in this world, listen to me, you're in a war. You don't have to believe in God to know that this world is at war. I'm not talking about the natural and country against country. I'm just talking about there's a war that all of us are in simply because we are in this fallen, broken world. If you don't believe me, why is it that every day we wake up to some awful news of evil perpetrated someplace in the world? It's always happening because why? This world is at war. Not in the physical sense. Paul's talking about in the spiritual sense. And you know what? Sometimes uh, I think people have believed and, and maybe even Christians have kind of uh, believed that, that if I just give my life to Jesus, that all my battles go away. If, if I just say, okay, I just surrender my life to God. No more problems. No more battles. Can I just tell you that is absolutely not true. You're never going to hear that preached at this church. What changes is not the fact that you have a battle. What changes is how you approach the battle. That's the difference, church. Because here's what Paul said. Paul said this. We don't wage war as the world does. The world has a way of fighting this battle, the battle of the mind, the spiritual battle, that is so different than the way we fight it. That's what Paul wants you to know. In fact, I, I want you to maybe write this thought down if you're a Christ follower. Your strategy is different as a Christ follower. Your strategy is different. This is what Paul wants you to know. We don't wage war like the rest of the world does. Something is different. It's your strategy. When, when I was a sophomore in high school, our family picked up and we moved. It's a pretty traumatic thing to move out of the country. We moved to Germany. And I was going to a new school over in Germany. It was an American high school. And, and here I am in Germany, and it's like I, I wanted to kind of play a sport. I love to play, and so I tried out. And I went from a small school to a much bigger school. And so I remember trying out for the basketball team. And um, I know what you're thinking because you all looking at me like, my gosh, he might have been the next great white hope. And I know, <laughs> I know that's what you think when you see me. Uh, and... Uh, and, uh, and so I, I enjoyed junior varsity uh, for a couple of years. It was great. And, uh, 
There was this guy, though, who was a senior when I was a sophomore. I remember his name was James McKnight. And, um, man, this dude was, he was like six foot five, and he was a beast on the court. I, I mean, this dude, he was by far the best athlete and the best basketball player that we had. And I would watch the games uh, from the pine. And, um, and, and it seemed like every time we would go down the court, that, that there was one goal, get the ball to James. Do you know when you got somebody that good on your team, you just, like, get out of the way, get the ball to James. That seemed like the strategy that we had back then that would work for us. And, and I, I've seen that play out in, in basketball. Like, I, I love NBA basketball. And um, I remember, this was, again, after I graduated, but I remember when Shaquille O'Neal went into the NBA. Y'all remember Shaq? How many of you watched Shaq play basketball? How many of you are old? All right. Listen. Man, when I watched Shaq play basketball, dude, it was like there was no one that could stop him. 320 pounds, seven foot tall. All you do was throw the ball down to him. He had people hanging off of him. He would still dunk every single time. You could not stop Shaquille O'Neal. So when you got somebody like Shaq on your team, the strategy is get him the ball. Now, what I want to say to every single Christ follower is this. When you have Jesus Christ in your life, all of a sudden it changes the strategy on how you fight the wars that you fight. See, it's different when you're trying to do it on your own. But when you've got Team Jesus and when he's on your side, you're like, all right, it's a different strategy. That's what Paul wants you to know. That the way you handle the mental anxiety and the stress and the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings is so different when you're a Christ follower. You have a different strategy. It's different when, when you know truth of God that when you're fighting something that you, you don't lose hope like maybe the rest of the world does. Because your strategy is you know that greater is he that is in me than is in the world. So I know that this fight that I'm in, that I've got a God who has conquered every single thing that I'm coming up against. And so I can just rely on his power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of me. All of a sudden my strategy is different. Paul wants you to know we don't wage war like the world does. We, we, we have a different strategy. Also, not only do we have a different strategy, but Paul would tell you this, that your weapons are different as a Christ follower. Your weapons, they're, they're different. When you think about the world and how, how does the world deal with this type of battle? How, how does the world deal with mental anguish? How does the world deal with it? The only way the world knows how, and that is in the natural in the natural. And I'm thankful we have so many great things in the natural that can help. And I, and I believe that these are things that God has given to us. Like, like if you get around and you get into counseling and some other things, you're going to have, uh, you're going to learn some things, some techniques, some methods to dealing with anxiety, to dealing with worry. When you get overwhelmed, there's some techniques like I, I remember learning this from a counselor. Um, there, there's a technique called mindfulness. You ever heard of mindfulness? That's kind of a new word, new thing. But mindfulness is basically this. When you feel overwhelmed, you feel anxious, what you do is you focus on your surroundings through your senses. You focus in that moment. So, so, so you're feeling anxious and, and you get feeling like panic. 
or you're, whatever, you can't sleep, your mind, your thoughts, you focus and you begin to think about, okay, what am I hearing? What am I hearing? Am I hearing I'm hearing birds chirp or, or crickets. You, you focus on those things. You focus on what you smell. What, what's the smell right now? You focus on what you feel. What does it feel like in bed, in the sheets? You focus on those things. Why? Because I understand that. If you can dwell or focus on those things rather than what it is your fear, then it can begin to relieve the anxiety. That's a, that's a technique that, that can help. It can help. Uh, that's, that's a natural thing. Uh, medication is a natural thing. God has given us so many incredible things that can help us. And what's interesting to me is when it comes to mental things, we, they're so taboo. We don't want like, like all of a sudden, oh, you're on medication. Oh, you're on medication for that. That's, mm, I don't know about you. You're crazy. What's crazy is that we take medication for all kinds of other things in our bodies when they don't work right. And we never think a thing about it. We, we take medications for all kinds of other stuff and we think nothing about it. And we don't even realize how, how, how we might need medication because something physiologically is not right. Those are, those are great things. I got nothing against that. I think, I think we should holistically, we should use everything. I, I see sometimes there's healthy and can I say that there's also unhealthy means of dealing with this in the natural. There are some like, here's a healthy one. My counselor would say, do you work out? I said, yeah. I mean, can't you tell? And, and it's, it's kind of a dumb question. And, um, and the counselor was like, well, I'd continue doing that because we all know this, right? Working out releases chemicals and endorphins and, and that can actually help in relieving stress. So that's a good, that's a good version. I've also seen this and it, it's kind of crazy to me, but I've seen people advertise um, that you can do yoga to help for anxiety. Have you ever seen that? I don't get that though, because every time I do yoga, I get super anxious and I get stressed and I just, I don't, I don't bend like a pretzel and I can't, you know what I'm talking about? Or like hot yoga, that really gives me anxiety. I, I can't do that. I need air conditioning on. I don't get it, right? There's, there's some good, there are some good things that we can do. These are tools in the natural. I wanted to talk about dealing with, with our battle in our mind. But there's also unhealthy things in the natural. That's why some people, maybe some of you, you, you smoke and when you're stressed, you smoke a lot. It's not healthy, but, but you do it because you're trying to find a means of getting away or releasing stress or anxiety. By the way, this is why, and maybe some of you listening to me, this is your go-to. You won't tell anybody, no one knows. But sometimes why we turn to vices, why, why we turn into things that can addict us. That's why some of you, you drink and you go out a lot or you drink every single day or you're taking a drug or you're smoking something, inhaling something, taking something. And here's why you're doing it. You're doing it because you want some kind of release from what you're struggling with. You're doing it because you're trying to numb the pain of what you're, maybe you're trying to get relief from the thoughts, from the feelings, and you don't know any other way. And for a moment it does it, but what you don't realize is it ends up becoming a trap. And now that becomes something else that can destroy your life. And so we need to understand something that Paul says is that the weapons that we fight with are not of this world. Now, what's he saying? He's not saying don't take medicine. He's not saying those things. But what he's saying is this, is that sometimes we are approaching a spiritual battle in natural means. Sometimes what, what we're doing is we're trying to fight something that might be even spiritual that is coming against us, but we're doing it in the natural and it's not working the way it should. What I want you to understand is this, all of those things are available to us. 
And as a Christ follower, you can use an, uh, if medication helps, if mindfulness helps, if yoga helps, fine, go and do it. If any of those things help and they're healthy, do them. But Paul wants you to know something, that as a Christ follower, you have more than just in the natural, that you have divine power that is access to the supernatural that can help you to tear down or demolish strongholds. This is what Paul wants you to know. And I wonder how many Christ followers are going through life and we're just trying to manage or trying to cope with the mental battle, with all the things that we know in our natural world, but you're not tapping into something that God has for you that can give you power over strongholds. Do you know what a stronghold is? I think sometimes you hear that word, it's not a word we use a lot. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is, is when something strong has a hold on you. A strong, a strong, you, you, you seem confused. Pastor Zach, come here. I got, I got an idea. Come on, put your hands together. Pastor Zach, I need, I need a volunteer. I was just looking for somebody strong. And I feel like he's probably a little strong. I mean, it's a little bit. And oh my gosh, I just need you to stand there. What are you? So intimidating. And um, I, I want you to... Um, this is purely for an illustration. I'll do whatever I can to help you all out. I need you to hold me. <laughs> like, just, like, 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 hold me like, like you have a strong grip on me. So, so, this is like, he's stronghold, okay? And when I, when I, when I try to get away, it's like when something bigger and stronger than you has a, has a hold. Okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Thank you, all right, let's go. I think people get the point. Oh, don't, don't just walk all slow, like, don't mess with me. A stronghold. Now, some of you have serious strongholds, but they're not physical. They're mental. Like, when, when you have thoughts that are so dark that just take you to a deep place that you can't get out of, can I please just tell you, that's a stronghold in your life. When you can't find joy in anything you do and yet your life is really good, like, like you're, you got great kids, a great marriage, and life is really, you got a job that's paying the bills, and, but for some reason you cannot seem to find any joy whatsoever in life. Can I just tell you what you're dealing with is actually a stronghold. When there's emotions that you're feeling that are so overwhelming that you can't get out of bed sometimes. You're dealing with a stronghold. When you have a barrage of thoughts coming at your mind all the time, telling you that, that really there's no reason for you to go on living, that nobody would even miss you, that it doesn't even matter that you're here. Can I just tell you, you're dealing with a stronghold. And Paul wants you to know that the weapons that we use to deal with these kind of strongholds is not just in the natural. Sure, you can use those things, but there's even something more powerful than that that we need to bring into the mix, and that is God's power can help you demolish and break free of those strongholds because, listen, here's what your adversary, Satan, wants to do. He wants to lock you up so that your life... So miserable that it looks nothing like the kind of life that Jesus Christ came to give you. And on the outside, I think there's a lot of us, just to be honest, that 
we, we, we're going through life and, and, and people don't know that we're dealing with a stronghold on the inside. You need to know this about Satan. By the, by the way, the name Satan literally means adversary. Satan is God's adversary. And oh, by the way, when we are part of his creation, whether you believe in him or not, you are naturally part or have an adversary as well. Here's what you need about Satan. His battlefield is your mind. You say, how does Satan attack us? Let me just tell you how he does. Your battlefield is your mind, and his battle plan is deception. You need to know how the devil attacks you. Your battlefield is your mind. That's how he's going to... Because sometimes we blame stuff on the devil that's just it's dumb. You know? I mean, we do. I mean, get out of bed, and sometimes we stub our toe, and the devil's trying to just ruin my day. No, he's not. You're a klutz, okay? Like, you probably weren't awake. You need coffee. The, the devil doesn't work like that. His battle plan is deception. L let me reread verse 5 to you. Because this is, this is so important for you to understand. It says this in verse 5. It says, We demolish arguments... We demolish arguments and every, what, everybody say that word, and every pretension. You know what pretension is? It's a lie. We, we demolish the arguments that we hear and the lies that sets itself up against what? Everybody say it out loud. Of the knowledge of God. What you know to be true. What, what is really true about God. How, how is the devil going to work? He's going to... He's going to come and he's going to lie. He's going to twist the truth just enough. So he's going to come against what you really should know to be true about God. And what we have to do is take captive every single thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is his method. It's not overt. You need to know this. It's subtle. It's not a blatant lie. It's just a little twisting of the truth. And it started all the way back at the very beginning. Do you know what Jesus has to say about Satan? Jesus said this, that Satan, his native language is lying. So all he ever does is lie. And oh, by the way, he is the father of lies. What does that mean? It means he originates it. He started this. And you can follow it all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent first approached the woman and the serpent asked her a very innocent question. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden if you know that story? And she said, no, 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 it's not what. He, he said, you can eat of all of it. Just stay away from one. Did God really, is God really like that? Does God really not care about you that much? Is God really trying to oppress you that much? I think that's a lie that so many people sitting in church believe all the time. Why they run away from God is because they think God is there and, it, and they've got a wrong picture, a wrong view of God. Did God really say that? And she said, no. Actually, God told us we can eat of all the stuff he's created, but we're to stay away from the one tree in the middle of the garden. Do you know what that tree was called? It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and we wonder why we have so much anxiety today how much are we aware of how much do we know but we're not really sure what's true anymore this this is his this is his plan you need to understand something that we are in a spiritual war i know you can't see it and and, and sometimes i think 
you know, we hear those things. We get, we think about some ethereal cosmic battle that's going on in another dimension that doesn't even include us. That's not, that's not it. It's because you can't see it. The, the way your enemy wants to come and deceive you, he's going to speak into your ear and he's going to whisper thoughts and he's going to whisper things that you're going to receive and you're going to begin to think about them and dwell on them. And all of a sudden you got to get confused and you're not really sure what's true and which way is up and who God really is and who you really are until you go into a deep place of despair. And what I came to tell you today is what we're going to do through this series as we deal with all this stuff is we need to battle back. We need to fight back. We need to battle back. Sometimes as Christians, what we do is we just kind of take it like, I'm just trying to survive. I get that sentiment. But why not take access to the very divine things that God has given you and take an approach and say, you know what? I think I'm going to fight back. I'm going to battle back something spiritual. I can't see it, but I'm feeling it. So I'm going to battle back. That's why Paul said, listen, don't be unaware of the scheme of the enemy. What you need is the full armor of God. You, You need to dress like a warrior. You need a helmet of salvation. Listen, I know what God has done for me. I am not going back to who I was in the past. You need to wear that thing on a regular basis because the enemy's going to lie to you. You need the breastplate of righteousness. You are the righteousness in God because of what Christ Jesus did and he switched places with you. You need to take the shield of faith because the enemy's going to come at you to bring doubt. You say, no way. I'm trusting my God. You need the belt of truth wrapped around your waist. You need the, the gospel to cover your feet ready for the battle that's in front of you. And then here's what Paul said. Here's what Paul said. You can read all this in Ephesians 6. Paul said, but then we take up the one offensive weapon. I said, we got to battle back. I need the offensive weapon to battle back. I'm not just trying to make it. I'm going to be an overcomer. So I'm going to battle back. And so he said, I want you to take the one weapon that you need more than anything else. The sword of the spirit, which he says is what? It is the word of God. You need this in your life. Not because you need this to be some kind of good Christian, but because you need to know the truth of who God is and what God says about you. Because if you don't, you're not going to be sure what to believe. You, you, You need to know the truth truth will set you free do you know the truth of god or have you kind of bought into some lies because we all deal with this that's why paul says and take captive capture every thought i gotta i gotta learn to capture every thought every thought it doesn't matter what it is the good the bad and the ugly i'm gonna capture every single thought Oh, you're so good. You're great. You're a great dresser. You're a great priest. All right, fine. I'm going to take that. But then there's other times where I'm also hearing you're not enough. People didn't get anything out of it. That was a waste of time. I need to learn to capture every single thought. Even the ones that will lead to pride and the ones that can lead to despair. Why? Because I don't know which ones come from God and which ones came from my enemy. That's why you capture every thought. And you process it. Through the word of God, the truth of God. Is this a part of your life? Because listen, you're in a battle and I'm in a battle. But if we don't have this a part of our life, we don't know what's true. And the only way that we can wade through and we can battle back and demolish strongholds is when we know the truth of God and we begin to profess it. We begin to say it in our situation. Some of you need to say it. You've been thinking a lot of really bad thoughts and that's going to come in life. What you need to do is speak to it. Speak God's truth. Amen.
Come on, stand up on your feet at both our locations. I want us to pray, but I believe that God wants to minister. Would you bow your heads? Would you just close your eyes, both locations? And I believe that God wants to minister something to us all today. God, we just come to you right now in need of your presence, in need of hope. Father, I pray right now if there's anybody here or in Lancaster that doesn't know you in a real authentic way, that God has been hearing this and saying, I, I need this access. I want to I have Jesus in my life. I want to have the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave leading me. Listen, if that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity just to embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't mean all your battles go away. But what it does mean is your strategy becomes different from this day forward. Because all of a sudden now, someone's on your team that you can trust and rely. And so if you're here today and you're saying, I need to embrace Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer that is just a laying down of your life and saying, God, I, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. If you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus in that way. Well, right now you can. Would you just pray this prayer with me right where you're standing? Would you just say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I give my life to all of it. God, would you save me? Would you give me this power that you talk about? God, would you fill my life with your purpose? God, I surrender my life to you completely. I'm asking you now, would you save me? Save me body, soul, mind, and spirit. Save me today, God. Man, I just believe that God is doing that right now. I believe, God, your presence, that you're ministering to people. Listen, I also believe that many of you here today, that maybe what you've just needed to hear is somebody to proclaim the truth of God's word over your life. Maybe you kind of have just questioned, question whether or not you're worthy, question whether or not your life's worth living, question whether or not because you think about your past, you think about all the mistakes you've made, how you've screwed up, you think about kind of maybe the feelings and thoughts overwhelmed your life. Today, can I just be someone who's going to proclaim the word of God, the truth of God over your life today? If you receive this and you want to receive this today, would you just maybe turn your hands up to heaven, just kind of turn your palms up and kind of a sign to say, okay, I'm going to receive this today. Come on, God, I want to receive this today. You need to know this, that God, the, God's word says that you are loved with an everlasting love. Not just a short time love, but an everlasting love. This is how God loves you. You need to know that God's word says that you are called, that you are chosen. You need to know God's word says you are a masterpiece that God has created for his purpose. You need to know that you are more than a conqueror. For him who has come into your life, that you overcome the world by your faith, by your testimony. You need to know that you matter to God. You need to know that you matter to this church. You need to know that there is hope and it is found in Jesus Christ. Come on, you need to receive this. You are a son. You are a daughter. You're the head and not the tail. He's here and his spirit's ministering. Come on, let's lift our voices today.